0: The scripture for today's sermon comes from Jude 1 20 through 25. The word of God speaks to us like this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. This is the word of God to us. Thanks be to God.
1: Hey, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Derek Chapin, and I serve as the community director here. I, uh, I feel like I need to address the elephant in the room. Um, I've, I've talked with the elders. I, I was under the impression there was some sort of a rule that in order to preach here, you had to be bald. Um, apparently, that's not the case. Um, so uh, I, I thought about shaving my head this weekend just so I could come up here and uh, my wife is shaking her head. no no sir. Uh, and so anyway I'm, I'm just grateful to be here with us this morning. Uh, as Chad said, we've taken the last three weeks to walk through this text in jude and i'm I'm excited to take us to the finish line. So I'd love for you to pray for me. I'd like to pray for you as we open God's word and dig in. So Father, um, we we invite your spirit here to this place. God, we need it to to teach us. God, we we need it to fuel our prayers. Lord, we, we need your presence. And so we invite it here and we ask you to be here. God, open our hearts to what you have for us this morning and be near us. Amen. Amen. So Jude is the second to last book of the Bible. It's 25 verses, 461 words. No, I didn't count them, but Google did. So uh, I I think it's correct. And over the last several weeks, I've just been struck at some of the content here. Our guy Jude was able to pack so much into 25 verses. Some of it feels predictable, but much of it feels almost bizarre or surprising. Let, let, let me explain. F- first of all, um, he, he writes to this group of people who he calls beloved. He calls them beloved uh, often. So he loves them enough to call them beloved, but he doesn't love them enough to name them. So we don't actually know who this book was written to. S- Secondly, Jude clearly states in verse three that his intent was to sit down and write a book, uh, write a, a letter uh, about common salvation, so celebrating the gospel. And, and then at some point, uh At some point, he was compelled to change gears and talk about the much less friendly topic of contending for the faith. I think it's fascinating that one of the authors of the Bible would pull back the curtain and tell us both what his intent was, but then also what the final product was. And third, according to verse 1, Jude is the brother of James. And James is the brother of Jesus, so that means that Jude is the brother of Jesus. Now, I have two brothers. They're my best friends. I, I love them dearly, but I don't think you're going to find me writing a letter to what will eventually be millions of people begging them to lay down their life for Darren and Brad Chapin. This book is fascinating, it's surprising, it, it, it's bizarre. Um, but let me take this moment to remind you that, that this is the inerrant word of God. So what that means is that the book of Jude says exactly what the book of Jude is supposed to say. So, so today we're going to zoom into the way that Jude ends this letter. I, I've been thinking about it kind of like, um, uh, so what do we do now in light of? God's judgment, in light of the dangers of apostasy, Jude says this in verses 20 through 23, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire, and to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. See, there's there's this phrase that sticks out in this passage that I think is the key to contending for the faith or, or to, to finishing well. And it comes right here at the beginning of verse 21 when it says, keep yourselves. In the love of God. See, I think that verse 20 is pointing ahead to it. I think that that the things that come after it point back to this key phrase: keep yourselves in the love of God. And so my outline this morning is, is really simple. It's keep yourselves in the love of God. Why? And how? If we believe that faith is a gift from God. If, if, if we believe that that's true, then why is Jude issuing this charge? Why, why is he asking us to do something if it's actually a gift? What, what difference does our effort or lack of effort actually make? Wouldn't it have made more sense to say something like, Don't forget, you're kept in the love of God. Or, the love of God has you kept. I'm not saying those things are untrue, but but what I am saying is that is that Jude didn't say that, and nothing in Scripture is accidental. See, he said, "Keep yourselves in the love of God," and this emphasis on our devotion, on 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 our responsibility, it is actually consistent with much of what we see in the New Testament, right? We we can think about James where he says to not only be hearers of the word, but also doers, right? Paul in Romans is is almost appalled at the idea that, that, that we would experience the grace of Jesus and our actions and our lives wouldn't be changed. So what is Jude getting at here If we read it in light of the warnings that are issued earlier in this book, I think I have an idea, but in order to get there, I need to confess this weird hobby that I have. I love ultra running. I love running long distances. I love running in mountains and woods. Um, And and my running goes beyond, or my obsession, I guess, goes beyond just the participation of running. Uh, I love reading race reports of other people's races, I love watching uh, watching reviews of gear that I could never afford. I love watching videos of other people running in beautiful places. And I want to take this moment to remind you that when Chad asked me to preach, he said this was a safe place. <laughs> so so, in an ultra marathon, they have these things called aid stations. And aid stations are, Wonderful. You get you get there. You fill up your water. Uh, they give you food. You can sit down. They give you maybe a, 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 some ice if it's hot, or a warm fire if it's cold. It, it can actually be like a really heavenly place to be. But can you can you can you figure out what the problem with an aid station might be? See see runners runners uh, come up to the aid station and and. In in their desire to have all of their pain relieved, they, they sit down and, and, and they, they, they have their pain relieved and all of a sudden they never go back out on the trail. Right? They, they they lose sight of the finish line because of what they're experiencing in this moment of comfort or pleasure. Right? They made this one decision and then they get eliminated from the competition. Do you see where I'm going with this? See, I, I think that Jude calls us to keep ourselves in the love of God because he knew that we would be easily distracted. As we progress through this life, we're, we're going to see off-ramps or, or aid stations, and those aid stations or off-ramps are going to promise to relieve our immediate pain. They're going to promise to quench our thirst, to give us a place to sit, and, and maybe even give us what we think we want. But inevitably, they're going to distract us and keep us from finishing well. Let me let me put this on the ground for you. Imagine that you have had a really long, hard day at work, and your kids are sleeping and your spouse is sleeping, man, you've earned it. It's time for you to get your phone out and, and just get lost in the internet for the next 30 minutes. Right? Maybe that ends up on, um, on websites that you don't want to be on, but maybe it's just like numbing out on BuzzFeed, right? Right? What about this one? I've been, I've been so generous for so many years. I've been giving things away, and, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get mine, right? And, I, and I'm pretty sure that everyone cuts corners around tax season. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that um, I deserve to be able to buy that new truck or whatever that might be. How about this example? Um, this one feels particularly pointed uh, when I think about it in my own life. My, my family is out of town, and I've got a great bottle of bourbon sitting in my cabinet. And, and I've had a hard week. I've worked really hard. I'm not planning on driving anywhere tonight. I'm, I'm not actually even going to see anybody else tonight. So if my, if my two-finger glass of bourbon turns into half a bottle, what does it actually matter? right? It, it, it's fine. I, I, I deserve that. I've worked hard today, right? These are the off-ramps that we can take. I, I could keep going, but I think you get it, right? We will chase our pleasure, our comfort. We'll even chase numbness to, to help alleviate the felt pain of this world, See, there's, there's nothing wrong with the internet, there's nothing wrong with money, and, and bourbon is delicious, but guess what? There's nothing wrong with aid stations either. They were actually created to help you, but they take your focus away from finishing the race. See, I think that Jude asks us to keep ourselves in the love of God because the world is constantly asking us begging us to give ourselves to the love of our flesh. Jude calls us to contend because he knew that we would be easily distracted, and distracted living can be disastrous. When we're distracted, we we can't notice the camouflage dangers all around our day-to-day lives. Life, Right? Jude, Jude talks about this earlier in the book when he, he talks about hidden reefs at our love feasts that, that want to shipwreck us. Right? He, he, talks about, he talks about these clouds uh, that look promising and they look like they're full of rain and yet there's no water there. There's no life there. They just distract. And see, when we put our hope in anything other than Jesus then we will not finish the race. We are disqualified, transformed from runners into quitters because our God is entirely holy. He's the author of all that's good and righteous and pure, and he doesn't settle for anything other than his holy standard. All of us. Our only hope is found in Jesus, and it's through him that we are able to keep ourselves in the love of God. But Jude doesn't just simply tell us why we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. He actually explains how. This is where Jude, I think, gets really practical. And I've been thinking about this this list. as kind of like a, a list of best practices for the life of faith. Read again with me verses 20 and 21. It says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life. So we have these three instructions that lead to being kept in the love of God. And the first one is to to build yourselves up in the most holy faith. I think the most important word that we find in this phrase is the word build. See, I think that Jude is, is, is pointing to, to process. He's, he's pointing to architecture. He's, he's talking about what it looks like to, to, to erect a structure. And this isn't the only place in the New Testament that we see this type of language uh, around architecture, right? If we, if we think back to Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, Paul says that Jesus is the cornerstone and, and, and upon him the foundation of the apostles and the prophets are built, Right, so as, 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 as structures were built in the first few centuries, what would happen is that they'd find the biggest, most impressive stone and get it in the right place, and that it was from that stone that everything else was built, so they'd place all the other small rocks around it to make a flat structure, to make a flat foundation so that a structure could be built. Right? And so Ephesians is telling us that Jesus is that cornerstone upon which everything is built, and then on that we build around the prophets and the apostles. Well, we, we know that the prophets and the apostles, they, they wrote a book, right? It's, it's called the Bible, and, and many of you have one here. If you don't have one at home, we have dozens of copies of those, and we'd love to send you home with a copy of God's Word today. But, but this is my point We build ourselves up in the most holy faith by reading God's word. This is how we learn about his character and his heart. Yes, we, we learn about God in creation. We learn about God through his spirit and through his body. But the primary way that we build ourselves up in faith is by reading and meditating and praying through his holy scriptures. Next, Jude asks us to pray in the Holy Spirit. So we have a, a couple of instructions there, right? The first of which is pray, and then how do we pray? Um, but that first one of pray is so important, right? It's, it's talk to your creator, right? Nearly 11 years ago, I, I, I got to stand in front of a church and marry my best friend. And, and, and we stood there, and we made a, a promise and a covenant to one another that, that we would love each other until we die, through it all. Right? And that, that covenant is binding. Right? It's bound us together. But that covenant does not guarantee health and flourishing within our marriage, right, believe it or not, my wife and I actually still have to talk, right? We, we talk about the weather. We, we talk about um, plans for dinner. We talk about our hopes and our dreams. We talk about our kids. Um, we talk about all these things. Sometimes I, I send her a text message and say, hey, I'm on my way home, or she comes by the office just to say hello, and you'll notice that there are lots of different forms of communication that happen within this relationship, Right, what 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 would our marriage look like, if 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 our only communication was about logistics, where we were going to be, what we wanted to do, what time, right? It, we we might function, we might be really highly functioning life partners, but I don't want that marriage. Right, what what, what if you went the other direction, and, and all of our communication was was uh, was like long form conversations about our soul. Our devotion for one another, our love for one another, right? That might sound good, but I'm relatively certain if that were the case, we'd forget to feed our children. So, so what am I, what am I getting at here? Man, it, it, if our prayer life is confined to mealtime prayers and maybe a, a prayer of desperation in crisis, that doesn't feel like much of a relationship with our Creator. See, Jude doesn't stop at the instruction simply to pray. He tells us how we pray. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, I get it, I'm supposed to pray more, but that feels scary, that feels impossible, that makes me feel anxious, this is where Jude brings comfort because he says pray how? In the Holy Spirit. And scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit actually teaches us To pray, the Holy Spirit shows us God's will and God's purpose for our life. The Holy Spirit is a gift of grace from our Father. And just as an aside, I I think that we get ourselves in a bit of trouble if we start to think of the Holy Spirit's only job is to give us miraculous gifts, right, I pray that we see more healings. I pray that we would be able to speak in tongues and and, 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 and communicate with Him. I pray that we'd have more prophecy and visions. Right? I yearn for that for this church. But if 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 those things don't happen and we equate that to the okay, the Holy Spirit must not be at work, then you're just simply uh, incorrect, right? We have this really helpful passage in Galatians that tells us gives us this this helpful list of a fruit or evidence of the work of the Spirit. So I challenge you to ask yourself, do I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control increasing in my life? Again, I pray that we would see more miraculous gifts and signs in this church, but I also pray that we would all see more evidence of the Spirit in our lives. So Jude tells us to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. He tells us to pray in the Holy Spirit, and finally... He says, to wait on the mercy of Jesus Christ. Pastor and author uh, David Helm has some really powerful words about this final instruction. I, I think it's on the screen here. It says, hope is a potent motivator for present action. Knowing the end encourages vigorous action Now. So as we read God's word, as we pray in the spirit, as we keep ourselves in the love of God, we do it all in eagerness and in waiting. The future looks bright. We're all waiting. Right, Romans tells us that even creation is moaning and waiting to be made new. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then you can walk in peace knowing that you are made new. You can walk in confidence knowing that when you stand in front of God on that final day, he is going to see the holiness of Jesus and have mercy on you. The mercy of Jesus changes the way that we live today. Let me say that one more time. The mercy of Jesus changes the way that we live today. This is what I believe why Jude exhorts us to have mercy on those who doubt, to snatch others out of the fire, and to live as ambassadors for him yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting that Jude names this specific challenge of doubt, right? Because I, I feel like we all carry uh, we all carry this specific kind of shame when it comes to doubt. We're afraid of what our doubt means, and the reality is our doubt means that we're broken, and he's not. Right? And so I just want to say that if you're here and you're struggling with doubt this morning, if you're, if you're in your community group and you're afraid to voice this doubt that you feel, friends, your doubt is not beyond the love of God. And he's not, he is not waiting uh, for, for the person that you hope to be tomorrow. He wants to meet you where you are today, right? wherever that doubt might be. So when we have hope in Jesus, his grace flows out of us. And as a result, man, we're, we're changed, right? We, we, we walk into our schools, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, and we ask the stories of the people around us. We, we, we learn the names of the people around us. We, we, we model repentance to our children and. and and we open God's word, not just so that we might be kept in the love of God, but so that we might invite others to be kept in his love too. See, in, in short, because we have hope in Jesus, we live on mission. So, so maybe you're hearing this news today. And and you're just ready to run through a wall for Jesus. If that's you, then I would suggest that you run through that wall back there because it's made of cloth and it won't hurt. Maybe you're you're like me though, and 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 you read this and and you say to yourself, wait, so so it's it's up to me and, and my responsibility. My relationship with God is dependent upon my discipline. It's up to me to keep myself in the love of God. Read, pray, and be patient. That, that's, that's the answer to every Sunday school question that I've ever known. And it didn't work then. Why would it work now? Was Jude confused? Did he get it, did he get it wrong? No, friends. God's, God's word does not contradict itself. See, see, we're called to live this life built around the love of Jesus, obedient to God's commandments, but it's, it's by his love that we are empowered to follow his commandments. And, and that's not my opinion. That, that's what we see earlier in Jude, right? Look at Jude 1. It says, to those who are called beloved, in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. See, we can't build ourselves up in faith without his word. We can't pray without his spirit. And we can't even recognize the mercy of Jesus without the gift of faith. of faith. And this is why Jude gives us what I think is the greatest gift at the end of this letter. See, Jude understood and Jude knew the frailty of man and also the strength of God. Jude shows us the heart of the Father with his words in verses 24 and 25. It says this, Now to him who is I feel like I could stop there and preach a whole sermon on that line. Now to him who is able to what? Keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and forevermore. Amen. See, we see it all in this blessing. He he reminds us that it's God who is able to keep us from stumbling. His grip is strong on us. He has made us If you're a follower of Jesus, think with me not about, uh, about if, but when we get to stand in front of our creator God in all glory. And he will look on us and see us as blameless and spotless and righteous and faithful. That's true. That's true. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So so Jude the brother of Jesus wrote us this 25 verse 461 word letter near the end of the Bible and I would contend that he wrote it to us to show us the heart of God. See, we see from this book that God is just when Jude gives us warning about impending judgment. We see from this book that God is holy because he he doesn't capitulate to our standard, but he actually leads us to the way to meet his standard. And we see that God is loving because he didn't leave us alone to avoid judgment or follow his commands. He sent Jesus and his spirit to reside with us as we contend. Finally, we we see that this God that we worship is patient. He gives us warning after warning, grace after grace, so that we might be United with him through Jesus. See, the, the world is begging us to give ourselves over to the love of the flesh. But Jude challenges us to keep ourselves in the love of God. So as as we close. I would love to read this promise from Psalm 121 that reminds us of who this God that we worship is. It says, says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You pray with me?